1: We'll be
2: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramelidis, joined as ever by Sid Lowe. Firstly, an apology. We're very sorry that we didn't manage to get the uh, podcast recorded on a Monday as usual. We've been doing this podcast for, I think this is our 11th year. And I think you can count on the fingers of one hand the times that we've missed a podcast on a Monday. But yesterday, it just wasn't possible. Sydney was coming back from uh, Castellón and Al and I were... um, entertaining uh, young children at a, at a birthday party. So it just wasn't possible. In fact, it might have been possible to do it in the evening. But you know what, guys? We prioritised our families. So Sid had dinner with his family and me and Al had a couple of uh, happy kids. So uh, sorry about that. We'll try to never prioritise our family again and, you know, not let this happen again. But uh, it happened yesterday and it won't happen again. I've apologised, Sydney. You don't have to.
0: I, I, I was just, I just liking the idea of you and out the, the the way you phrase it. You are now entertaining small children. Were you wearing clown costumes? This is, this is something I must I mean, know.
2: Sort of metaphorically, yeah. No, I mean not 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 literally, but yeah. Um, it was it was a birthday party, so uh, we were at uh, we were at our birthday party, and you're making uh, yeah. balloon balloon animals and all sorts. <laughs> yeah, doing magic, doing magic, and uh, generally keeping people entertained. Anyway, um, we'll be. Uh, podding over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for the rest of the week lots of fantastic content uh, for our uh, patrons we obviously you've got a Q&A pod every single week a bonus pod every single week you get two episodes a month of our series TSFP presents and Rincon Cultural you get Al's occasional paper reviews you get access to the really quite fantastic and unique Spanish football fan community on the TSFP discord it's around four euros a month and it is uh well worth some of your hard-earned money so um if you want to have more Spanish football content, come and join us. Uh, the good thing about us recording today is that we can reflect on the uh, Copa del Rey uh, draw uh, for the last 16, which uh, happened after the round of 32, uh, as it usually does. Uh, this is what happened in terms of the results, and they were very, very few surprises. Uh, We can talk about that in just a second, but here we go. Uh, Atleti beating Lugo 3-1, Getafe beating Espanyol 1-0, Girona winning at Elche 2-0, Raya winning at Huesca 2-0. Bloody awful game, which I sat through all on the day of Reyes, which is the 6th of January, which is basically like Christmas Day here. So I had a whole lot of people at my house. I was like, right, sticking Ryo on. Everyone's watching this. It was absolute <laughs> turgid stuff. It went to extra time as well, nil-nil. And then Ryo scored in the 117th and 120th minutes. So, so there we How go. How impressed
0: was everybody with you? Every, every, everyone gathered uh, around yeah. your house? Were they really pleased Deep- they'd been there for the afternoon? Deeply
2: unimpressed. I was getting some very unimpressed looks. Let's, let's, let's leave it at that. Um, uh, there was a bit of a shock at Mendy Although, not really. I mean, it was Alaves against Betis and Alaves won uh, 1-0. Real Madrid beating uh, fourth tier Arandina 3-1. Celta beating Amoravieta 4-2. Mallorca beating Burgos. Osasuna beating Castellón, which you went to see, uh, in extra time. Uh, Sevilla scraping past Ferrol 2-1. Athletic comfortably beating Eibar. Valencia beating Cartagena in extra time. Barca beating Barbastro 3-2. La Real beating Malaga 1-0. Tenerife beating Las Palmas, which was a shock, Uh, second division knocking out the first division team in a big derby as well. And then the only huge shock that we had was Unionistas of the third tier, the Primera Ref, beating Villarreal 7-6 on penalties after a match that finished uh, 1-1. A match that finished 1-1 took two days to play this game uh, because uh, it was a postponed suspended on the actual day that it was supposed to uh finish uh, because of floodlight failure fortunately for us al was there commentating the game at least on the sunday not on the monday didn't stick around for that on the sunday you were there <laughs> al. tell us um tell us about this surreal experience that you had
1: yeah i think it has to be the first time i've started commentating a game and not finished it um, and I should make clear the floodlight failure wasn't my fault. I didn't like unplug anything to plug in a phone charger or anything like that. I was not responsible for the power cut. Yeah, well, first thing to say before all of that, it was a really good game, really good cup tie, really fun. I loved being there. It was a shame I couldn't be there on the Monday to see its, um, its dramatic conclusion. For listeners who don't know, Unionista is a great little club with a, with a great story. This is one of two clubs in, in Salamanca, founded just over a decade ago after UD Salamanca, the traditional club of the city of Salamanca, went out of, went out of business. Unionista is our fan-founded fan-owned in many ways they're sort of a model football club and um, this was a big game for them they've had a few big cup ties in recent years they played um hosted Real Madrid I think it was back in 2020 and um, so that was obviously a big 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 one for for them but this was pretty big with with Villarreal in town fantastic atmosphere it was a sellout at their um little uh, estadio Municipal Arena Sofia good game really really good atmosphere proper cup tie for a lot of it it sort of felt like extra time was maybe a little bit uh inevitable until right near the end, Villarreal went ahead, brilliant goal, you thought, okay, that's it, game over. It wasn't. Unionistas equalised, one all, we're heading for extra time. That was when the fun and games really started. By the way, I should say, so this game kicked off at six o'clock. It was cold and getting colder all the time. By the time extra time was about to, to kick off, it was below freezing. And literally, as extra time was about to kick off, as in the players were out there on the pitch, in their positions, we're good to go for extra time, the lights went out. And what followed for sort of about half an hour after that was, I presume, sort of desperate attempts to get the lights working again. It wasn't just that the lights were out. That was the sort of the weird, the slightly confusing thing, um, and which led to so much uncertainty. It was sort of the lights were sporadically on and off and on and off. And sometimes some of the lights were on. Sometimes others of the lights were on. Sometimes it was the floodlights, Sometimes it was the stadium lighting. I don't know exactly what was going on. <laughs> around the round the back of the the stand somewhere for for about half an hour they couldn't get all the lights on and it and the um pretty soon because it was how cold it was, the referee got the players back in the dressing rooms um there were negotiations going on there behind the behind the scenes unionistas obviously were keen to um to keen to, to continue and, and, and get the game finished on the on the night, Villarreal put out a statement afterwards saying that they also wanted to continue to play. Unionista said that didn't uh, match what they heard from from Villarreal. In the end, it's the referee's decision, of course. and in the end, um, after you know coming out to have a look around and see what was going on and stuff like that, about 40 minutes after uh, play was was halted, the referee decided to uh, to postpone the game at that point for about 10 minutes from what I could see the lights were on. Like, so I'm not sure what the issue was, if they thought they might go again. I I, I don't know. But the decision was made to postpone the game. And um, the other complicating factor, of course, was that the it had to be completed yesterday on Monday. Why? Because you've got the draw for the last 16, as you mentioned. And because of the sort of the, the complicated, artificial way the Copa del Rey draw works... You needed a result in this game before you could have the draw. You couldn't just do the draw and say, OK, it's Unionistas or Villarreal against whoever. Because depending on which one of those teams went through, that changes the way that the draw is actually actually takes place, the mechanics of the, of the draw. So you had to play it. So you had the, the last 16 draw was delayed. Um, extra time was played, uh, kicking off at 4.30pm on, on Monday. As you say, I couldn't be there, sadly, for, uh, for that. And it's a shame I couldn't be there because Unionistas went on to to win in dramatic
2: fashion on penalties. Certainly did. Uh, thanks very much, Al. Uh, great to have that first-hand uh, account of uh, what was a, a really memorable tie for uh, for more than one reason, obviously. Uh, the fact that it was postponed, again, just added to the drama. But it was uh, it was packed as well on the Monday. Uh, terrific atmosphere. I think they handed out some free tickets as well. And it was a uh, uh, fantastic to see Unionistas go through. Which leads, um, Sid, I guess, on to... A sort of a more profound talking point, we'll talk about some other games in just a moment, but we have had very, very few shocks, there was this, and there was Tenerife locking out at Las Palmas, um, and that was it. Um, is, there, is there question marks about this, the, the draw, I mean, the fact that the format change happened a few years ago, remember there used to be uh, two-legged ties, and now they've got rid of that, but this is such a Um, orchestrated draw uh, that it does feel very much like it's orchestrated to to make sure the big teams go through yeah
0: except it would be I think both unfair and and, and possibly what's the word I'm looking for possibly slightly hypocritical of us to to attack it now because as you say it used to be two-legged and one of the criticisms I think we all had about the two-legged draw was that it made it easy for the big teams to go through. It denied the chance of a, of a one-off, um, you know, a one-off night in which a small team plays brilliantly and yes. knocks out a big team. So, in theory, the move to single-legged games should have increased the yes. chance of of big teams being knocked out, and at least to start with, it appeared to. It also is designed because although although it is single-legged you guarantee that the smallest teams play the biggest ones. So, for example, the teams that were at the lowest level of all the teams in this round, the 2nd Division B teams, well, these days, Meta Ref, as they're known teams, were guaranteed, for example, to get a Super Cup team or guaranteed to get a team in Europe. And so it's designed to mean that the bigger teams play the smaller ones, which in theory is saying to those small teams, we're going to give you a chance. Not only that, because those small teams play at home. So we can have... I think, complaints about this structure, and I'll move on to some of those in a moment. But I'm not sure that it would be fair for us to frame those complaints around, look, there's no shocks happening. Because in theory, at okay. least, it's set up to help shocks happen because it's giving you just a yeah. one-off chance and it's giving you that chance at home against the big teams. Now, of course, it's reducing the chance of the big teams being knocked out because it's guaranteeing that they play a smaller club. So, for example, Real Madrid knew they were going to get someone from the Primera Ref. They absolutely knew that they weren't going to get Barca or Atletico or Girona or Sevilla or whatever, right? So that, that part is true, so it makes it easier for them. But the conditions were set against them. And there's a very interesting, there's, there's lots of elements that are problematic with this draw, but I think it's not actually the possibility of a shock that is the problem. I think the possibility of a shock, in theory, has been increased. Now, here come the problems. Problem number one. You are effectively making it relatively easy for the Super Cup teams to get to the quarterfinals, in theory. Basically, you're you're making a situation in which the Super Cup teams, you've got three rounds to get to a final. Three rounds is all it takes to get to the Cup. Now, that argument falls down a little bit because we've seen this draw and Real Madrid have now got Atletico. So there's two Super Cup teams against each other. So one of those is not going through. The other thing I think that's problematic with is I actually quite like the idea that the smaller teams get to play at home. And yet that doesn't feel entirely fair for a couple of reasons. Number one, imagine you're an Unionistas player or an Unionistas fan. It's absolutely brilliant to have Real Madrid come to you. But it feels like a bit of a pity that you never get the chance to go to the Bernabeu, for example. And then the other part of this is, um, Atletico Madrid are playing against Real Madrid now in the next round of the Copa del Rey at the Metropolitano. It is the first time they have played a Copa del Rey game there in five years. Because being the higher-placed team, they keep playing games away from home and also having not reached <laughs> the semi-finals. It's true they've played one game there, but they actually played it as the away team against Rayo Majoronda. I was at that game, but Rayo played their games at their ground. So you get this slight sense, that you sort of think, it, it, it feels a bit too engineered. And there's a bit of me that thinks, if this went this way, if Atletico Madrid hadn't played at home for five years, but it had been purely chance... I feel like I would mm. accept it better than if it's happened mm. this way. Uh, look at it right. I'm going to give you an example. A lot of the big teams, and okay. Real Madrid, and I think Atletico are one of them, have have a season ticket that includes all the cup games. Well, it doesn't include any cup <laughs> games if we don't play any, right? And and so yes. So there's elements of it that are wrong. I, I I I do I do think that there's for me there's a really big thing which is kind of an I don't know an emotional thing maybe. It feels like we are making far too many concessions to the Super Cup. And yes. that feels wrong to me. So the couple their rage Why do we think that might be? Well, because the Super Cup generates the money because they take everyone to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Aha. exactly. Yes. Um, but but you're, you're making life
2: easy for the Super Cup teams. Well, why?
0: Why are we making well, life because easier? They
2: wa- because they want the same. Because they want the same teams in the Super Cup every year. Because well, it's the biggest teams, and they can sell it easier. And they're getting there really stitch them up. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
0: Exactly. And and that feels wrong to me. But I. I, I but I must admit, as I say. I am tempted to have a, to have a bit of a complaint about the the, the the format, but I feel like it wouldn't be right or fair or justified to have a complaint based on the possibility of upsets.
2: Well, we want to be right and fair and justified on this podcast, so um, I think you've done it in the in the best possible way. Let's talk about some of the um, some of the individual games and uh, Barcelona yeah. uh, scraping through against Barbastro three two. In truth, uh, this uh, this match was a bit of a reverse of what we've usually seen from Barcelona because usually we see them. Uh, well, often we see them not play particularly well in the second half, and then uh, save themselves in the not play particularly well in the first yep. half, and save themselves in the second half. Uh, it was the uh, it was the reverse here. They played really well in the first half, and then in the second half it, uh, seemed to slip away from them a little bit. Certainly, the control of the match. They were two 0 up against the team from the fourth tier of Spanish football. They should have been able to uh, see it out, but they weren't. Barbastro got uh, back into the game two one. Then Barcelona got themselves ahead. 3-1 and then Bad Bastro uh, scored a goal in uh, injury time to make it 3-2 and had a sort of chance right at the end as well to potentially have, have equalised um, Xavi said he was happy with the result um, but it's uh, again not, not very convincing from Barcelona and give us the statistics Sydney about how many games it's been since they uh, last won by more than a one goal margin
0: 20 games now in which, the, in which they, they have not won by more than a one goal margin now Let's caveat this by saying, you know, they've won a lot of those games and winning by a single goal isn't necessarily a problem. But I think when a run lasts that long, it tells you something about a team that isn't convincing. It tells you that this isn't a team that ever lives comfortably. You know, the, the, in, 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 even a bad team in a 20 I mean, game run, it might expect to win one of them 2-0 might expect to have had a couple of them that were completely under control and they were never nervous and they were never up against it and they never thought there's a risk here that we don't win this. Um, and also, as you've mentioned there, quite often with Barcelona, it's gone the other way around. Give us that great stat. is it If the games were only the first half, they'd be 14th, was it, that you, you said yep. the other day? Right, so, yep. so this isn't just that they've, that they've kind of been 1-0 up or 2-0 up even, and the other team scored 2-1 in the 89th minute, you think, well, they were never really in trouble, even if they only win by one. No, quite often, this is they've been in trouble. And they've had to find a way around. Now, you could argue that in a lot of these cases, okay, but they have found a way around. And that is good. But I think it tells you something about this isn't a team that you're looking at and saying, I'm convinced by these guys. This isn't a team that you're looking at and saying they're winning games well. Now, this, is a, this game is a bit of an outlier, in fairness, because actually they were in control. And I think one of the reasons why they stopped being in control was because they thought they were in control, if you certainly yeah. mean. They were like, well, it's done, it's OK. And it's a silly penalty at the end. And if that silly penalty at the very end doesn't happen, they do win 3-1. And you do think, OK, well, there it is. But as you've pointed out, against a team from Segunda Ref. So, you know, we're not talking about a, a, a top-level team. And I do think there's a problem for Barcelona. And I, I think it would be wrong to overplay this because they've won a lot of these games. But I think it tells you that this isn't a team that's right. It's not a team that's comfortable. And I'm going to pick up on the word you use, the, the choice of words, unconvincing. And you'd said that just after you'd mentioned that Chavi was happy about it. And mm. I think this is part of the issue here, is that when Chavi talks, you're not entirely convinced either. Because he seems to think they're playing better than the rest of us think they are. Now, obviously, he's as likely to be right as we are. In fact, he's more likely to be right than we are. But he you do look at it sometimes and think, should you not be a little bit more worried about this? or, Or at least... Say that you're more worried about this, maybe.
2: Maybe he is. Maybe he just wants to project an air. Yes, he may well be. To be yeah. fair,
0: of course, and, and and absolutely, I'm not so naive as to not know that a manager is trying to condition, you know, the way his players feel and the way that we feel. And for example, the last game before Christmas, the Almeria game, um, before they flew around to to Dallas, he really tore into his yes. players. And we can't have it both ways. We can't be hypocrites. Here I am saying, should he not be telling us he's more worried? Well, after that game, he tore into his players and he had a go. And we said, and I still think this is true, that that tends not to end well when you start laying into your players, even if you're right. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
2: All right, let's let's mo- let's move on. Uh, I-, I guess, I mean, there isn't a huge amount to say about uh, Real Madrid's game against Arandina. They got there in the end. It was pretty comfortable. It was uh, nil-nil at half-time, but then José Ibrahim, and Rodrigo scored. Uh, Nacho scored an own goal in, uh, in injury time, which was wildly celebrated by the Arandina crowd and players, which was uh, uh, nice to see. Um, I mean, mm. from this game, I think maybe thing to pick up on is uh, Brahim's continued excellent showing and really really good form I mean he's 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 becoming uh, yeah. the kind of player that really sort of makes things happen in games
0: yes he does and and it's difficult really isn't it because you look at Brahim and and really and truly if you write your best Real Madrid 11 he's not in
2: it no
0: but if you write your 11 based on the 11 players for Real Madrid who are playing the best Yes, He is in it yes. And that's a difficult one Because obviously on the face of it It shouldn't be And you say Well no obviously you play him If he's the best in form player But do you really play him Ahead of Rodrigo Or ahead of Vinicius Or ahead of Bellingham Because these are the guys More or less that occupy his position Ahead of Joselu, Maybe depending on what kind of forward you want But you're probably not going to play Three up front So it's not going to be him And Vinicius And Rodrigo mm. And yet you feel like You want a place for him And a role for him I guess the difficulty is there isn't a really obvious natural role in the team. But I I think in a way that's actually quite a nice problem for a manager to have. And I I know that's a cliche, but I'm going to defend that cliche a little bit. It's different, I think, from the nice problem of a player who's playing well and actually it can be problematic. But I think because you've got a player who probably accepts being a substitute, but so long as it's good minutes, Mm -hmm. I think he's a good kind of player to be able to put in because he changes the game even if you haven't started him. He's not one of those players who, if you put him on, he's going to sulk and not play the, change the game or he's not going to be up to the rhythm of the game. He, he seems to be able to come on and make a difference. He's the kind of player that's, that, that doesn't really fit an, an, a very natural structure. And so I think that means you can put him on in a variety of different positions so long as he's got a degree of freedom and he'll make things happen for you. So I, I think he's quite a handy number 12, mm. if you see what I mean. But yeah, I do wonder if at some point Ancelotti's going to think, actually... Maybe I don't play Rodrigo. Maybe I play him ahead of Rodrigo some games. Or maybe if Vinicius is still not fully fit, I play him ahead of Vinicius.
2: Okay, Uh, let's see. But it's a a nice problem to have, uh, I think, for uh, uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Tell us about your trip to Castellón, Sid, because you went there to see uh, Castellón beaten uh, 1-0 in extra time by by Osasuna. What was the whole sort of experience like, without going into sort of massive details of the game, but obviously what was it like uh, going down to Castellón? I'm not sure if it's a stadium you've visited many times before, so what was it like?
0: I was there in the previous round of the Copa del Rey Because they played Oviedo um, Oh yes, that's true
2: Yes, of course it was yes.
0: and, and, and actually really and truly What the experience here was, was Was essentially the same as it had been then In that one of the things that struck me about the Oviedo game Is obviously, you know cards on the table And our regular listeners know this I'm a Real Oviedo supporter you are. and Oviedo, Oviedo got beaten and I shouldn't have enjoyed it. But I remember at the end of the game talking to an Oviedo fan I know who, who's an absolute lunatic of an Oviedo fan, by the way. You know, one of these who who, who thinks the referee is against us, thinks everyone else is rubbish, thinks we're being conned and and, and and really, you know, really wants Oviedo to win above all else. And I sort of said to him at the end, God, that was really fun. He said, yeah, it sort of was, wasn't it? Because Castellan played really nice football. They're really... They're really daring. They put a lot of players up at the top of the pitch. They go at you. They try and make things happen. And they did that to Oviedo and they were the better team against Oviedo. And They absolutely destroyed our, our right-back in particular. They had a guy called Traore playing on the left wing who was brilliant, who didn't play in this game. And against Oviedo, they'd actually made, I think it was 10 of the 11 players had changed from the previous league game. This was more of a first team against Osasuna. Now, I'm not going to overplay this. Osasuna were the better side by a long way, had loads of chances. Uh, Raul Garcia, the other up front, should have scored five or six and didn't score any. Um, they hit the post and the bar, Osasuna. But even within that context, you had a 20-minute period where, where Castillon made things happen. They themselves hit the post. They had opportunities. They possibly could have had a penalty near the end. And you just look at them and think... This is really it's a good stadium, a first division stadium. It's a noisy fan base. It's a team that's exciting. They're top of their division in Primera Red. They feel like a club where things are happening, where there's a real optimism. And and yes, they were knocked out. But this this was proper and this was this was enjoyable again. And and um there's a moment about two minutes from the end where the fans start clapping. And they just stand up and start clapping and and um Hagova Arasate, the Osasuna manager, said after the game, he said, that was really nice. He said, as an, as an away manager, really nice. I thought, yeah, this is a proper place. This is a first division club and I'd, I'd like to see these, these guys back. And, and actually spoke briefly to Arasate post-game. And he, gen, you know, this wasn't just a thing he was saying for public consumption. He'd he really enjoyed it. And he was saying, you know, we, he said one of the things that he felt that was important was that Osasuna kind of... Respected both the the fact of the copper array and the opponents they're up against by doing it properly, you know, by playing properly, by being aggressive, by going at them, by playing a proper game, and it was a proper game, and it was it was a lot of fun. Who's their owner, Sid? Well, their owner is that they they've got a, an ownership structure. Essentially, their owner is 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 a Canadian Greek professional gambler who you may well have heard of. You're gonna you're gonna pronounce the surname better than me, so I'm gonna allow you to pronounce the surname. Uh, his name is Haralabos Vulgaris. Yeah, Bob. Bob. Vulgar- yeah. Vul- vul- vulgaris is the surname. Um, Bob is his first name. Well, Bob is his first name and everyone knows him as, as Bob. They've bought the club uh, and essentially the idea is to, is to construct a club that can reach the first division. Driven, of course, by a very, very, um, uh, very impressive uh, Statistics and analysis. As I say, he was a professional gambler. He worked as the uh, he worked at the Dallas Mavericks in basketball as a as as an analyst of, of statistics and, and game structures and so on. And there's a determination to play a kind of an attractive style and to and to push men forward. And it's it's really quite exciting. And the fans the fans seem to be very very much behind this. And they look like they will go up this year. They were beaten the playoffs last year. They look like they'll be in the second division next year. And I think I think this is a club. Obviously, there's a limit to how much you can expand when you're in a city like Castellon. But I think this is a club that that has the approach, the financial backing, the analytical capacity, the structure now to, 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 to reach the first division, not imminently, but probably in the next four or five years. Or possibly in the next four or five years.
2: Let's see. They're a historic club with a big fan base. And uh, let's see when they get uh, back up because it does feel like, as you said, uh, they are in the uh, in the ascendancy. Uh, so this week, Sid, we've got midweek football uh, involving Spanish teams, but not in Spain. It's the Spanish Supercopa. We'll talk about that uh, in just a second. Uh, before we do that, let me tell you uh, what that last 16 draw in the Copa del Rey looks like. And we've got some uh, really exciting looking ties Um We've got Getafe against Sevilla, Atletica Alaves, la vez and Tenerife against Mallorca. Uh, that was on the, uh, the Tuesday uh, next week. Uh, then on Wednesday, Valencia, Celta, Girona and Rayo. And then Thursday, you've got Atletico Madrid against Real Madrid. You've also got Osasuna against Real Sociedad and Unionistas against Barcelona uh, to be confirmed when those matches are played. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good draw, Sid.
0: It's a really good draw. I'm just sort of shaking my head and scoffing a little bit at the fact that there's two games to be defined. I, I just think it's absurd. A new watch. There will be games in La Liga that get moved, and it to be defined because of the Super Cup. Well, why? Uh, Fix the games now. It doesn't matter what happens in the Super Cup. Well, I think it shouldn't matter what happens in the Super Cup.
2: I think Atletico Madrid's game will definitely be uh, moved. Uh, yes. Because they're the league one. The league yeah. one because they're, they're away at Granada on Saturday the twentieth, yeah. and they're playing on Thursday night in the uh, in the Copa del Rey. So that will definitely be moved. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. But 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 they needn't play on Thursday night in the Copa del Rey. That's what I mean. You don't you don't need to do this. So you
0: create a problem that then someone else has to fix, moving a a league game. You create a cup game, and then the league game has to move. No, how about that league game is already fixed? Create a cop game that fits, copper game that fits around that league game. So why
2: doesn't it work like that? Like, does the federation have more power than La Liga? I mean, do they say this is? They shouldn't have. So why can't La Liga just just go? Sorry, mate. No, you can't do that.
0: I don't understand that. I genu. I mean, I genuinely don't have an answer for you. We
2: fixed this already. You know. Yeah. Yeah, this is the date. This is the date. This is the date. This is the date.
0: Is the date. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Anyway, that's by the by. Let's, let's let's not allow ourselves to be dragged down into that. But but it, it drives me mad. And one of the reasons why it drives me mad is no one ever says anything. No. And it drives me mad that it feels like I am this lone lunatic who, who's who, who's upset about this. Partly because I'm trying to I'm organise my own schedule. I'm with you. But, uh, but, right. but genuinely, no one ever says anything about the fact that um, fans are constantly pissed about. I'm
2: here, it, it's amazing. I'm here holding your hand, Sydney, in our moment of <sighs> lunacy.
0: <laughs> anyway, you're right. It's, a, it's a really quite a fun couple of the Rage Atletico Madrid against Real Madrid is, is, is obviously the, the standout tie. But I, I like the fact that Barcelona are going to Unionistas. It feels like, you know, a big tie, a big kind of like let's have a small team against a really big team. A big team, and I'm not going to overplay this, but a big team that maybe is a little bit vulnerable. Maybe Unionistas will feel they can have a bit of a go at them. Uh, maybe if the, if the conditions are not that great, if it's really cold and so on. Um, then you've got, say, so you've, you've got a series of other good games. I mean, you were, you were talking about the, the surprises, by the way, and they're not very many surprises. I always felt like Sevilla might have gone out against Rating Ferrol and nearly did. Um, Las Palmas against Tenerife was always a possibility. So it's quite nice that Tenerife are in. We've got a second division team there. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really, really fun cup draw. The cup, the cup, kind of happens so quickly in January. Yes. you sort of don't always have time to. To properly appreciate it, though. That's the only, the
2: only other thing, I suppose. Bam, bam, bam. And then we're in the semis. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, those pictures are going to be taking place uh, next week. So uh, watch out for those. Uh, before that, we've got the uh, Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. And tomorrow, it's Real Madrid against uh, Atletico Madrid. And then on Thursday, it's Barca against uh, Osasuna. I wonder which, which derby... The two uh, sets of fans would rather win uh, Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid. The one tomorrow in the Super Cup or the one in the, uh, the Copa del Rey the, uh, the, the following week. Um...
0: On the face of it, the answer is really, really obvious. And it's the Rey? Copa del Rey. O- yeah. On the face of it.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck the caveats in. On the face of it, it's, it's really obvious it's the Copa del Rey. Because the Copa del Rey is bigger than the Super Cup. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And yet it is true, and I will admit this despite the fact that I don't like the fact that the Super Cup has been taken to Saudi Arabia, the creation of a Final Four is quite good. It does make for this sense of a, a, a competition that, that kind of feels kind of quite exciting. The other thing, of course, is that we're talking about the last 16 of the Copa del Rey. So if you say to an Atletico Madrid fan or, or a Real Madrid fan, but I, I think it's more about the Atletico fans, probably this, do you want to win the Super Cup game or the Copa del Rey game? They go, well, obviously the Copa del Rey game, except that then there's still some way to go to the final. Whereas if we win the Super Cup one, we're in the final. And there's a potential competition. It's, if it was as simple as, would you rather win the Copa del Rey or the Super Cup? The answer is Copa del Rey every single time. But in this scenario, I don't know. The other thing is, of course, is you can't help but thinking, does winning one of them condition the others? And of course, the cynic in me, or maybe the cynic's not the right word, the guy who's seen a million Madrid derbies over the years, can't help but thinking, the, we all know the answer to this. that Atletico will win... One of these three games But somehow Whatever happens It will end up working out Nicely for Real Madrid Like somehow They'll win the one That sort of matters more If you see what I mean So in other words If Atletico were to win The cup one They then won't win The cup anyway Yes If Atletico were to win The super cup one They either won't win The super cup Or Real Madrid will go in And win the cup And they'll think Oh no If we'd won that We'd have stopped the Winning the cup One way or the other There will be a way Through which Atletico Feel bad about how it ended That's, that's my suspicion
2: you're very, very cynical Sydney.
0: I am. Yes, yes. I've, I've seen this happen to Atletico a lot over the last 20-odd years.
2: Well, let's see what happens to Atletico. They're playing Real Madrid uh, tomorrow, and then we've got the uh, other semi-final, Barcelona against Osasuna. Bloody hell, it would be amazing and brilliant if Osasuna won the whole thing, although they are the uh, rank outsiders in this uh, Here's another tournament. thing for you. Go on.
0: If Osasuna win the whole thing, they will still make only €2 million Euros in prize yeah. money.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If Barcelona or Real Madrid win the whole thing or lose the whole thing, they will still make four times that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, not exactly fair, but uh, it it, it is what it is. There's many things about this uh, Super Cup that absolutely stink, but uh, we're not going to get into it right now. Um, That's it for today's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. A day late, but hopefully uh, still... entertaining as ever we're over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp for the rest of the week if you want to join us and if you don't that's okay we'll do another podcast for free next monday we promise adios cheerio